Hello, welcome, thanks for tuning in to DAVCAT 43 Fights Fascism. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to DAVCAT, or rather DAVCAT 43 as I'm rebranding it. Thanks for tuning in. So today there's been a lot of legal developments, uh, most of which are not in Trump's favour and therefore are quite exciting. We have uh, some rulings in which uh, Trump, Trump's former attorney, not his personal attorney, but a White House attorney, Don McGahn, who testified to Robert Mueller that Trump had effectively worked hard to obstruct the special prosecutor's report, the special prosecutor's investigation, whereby Robert Mueller was looking into ties between the Trump administration and the Trump candidacy team and uh, Russian, Russian forces, Russian, uh, Russian intelligence services under the command of Vladimir Putin. So yes, I should have emphasized the candidacy of Trump. So Trump as a candidate, we now know to have liaised with, uh, with Russians and liaised with the Russian proxy Wikipedia. And Thank you for the compliment about the haircut. That's appreciated. I, I got that. <laughs> and I'll enjoy it when I have trolls come online and say, hello, sir, which presumably is a troll based on saying my hair is too short to qualify me as a woman. Oh, look, another one so fast. That's okay. Uh, so House Dems still control the impeachment schedule. There are still various judiciary and... Uh, intelligence committees investigating Trump's various crimes. Hello, Brian. Thanks for joining in. Hi, David. Hello to you as well. So yes, so the ruling that McGahn must testify is now being appealed by the White House and the, the White House Control Department of Justice. And the fact that the ruling was made that said Don McGahn does not enjoy absolute immunity as the Department of Justice claims, the corrupted Department of Justice claims, is great. Even though it's being appealed, yes, it's still a solid assertion that the Department of Justice has got it wrong. They cite as precedent something that is just repetition of a false position over and over again. That was what the judge asserted, that there was this attempt to just rely on repetition of something the Office of Legal Counsel said. So that's great to see the judiciary uh, push back against Trump brand fascism, that is to say consolidation of executive power uh, through corrupt means and false legal arguments, etc. No, everybody who's ever set foot in the White House or helped Trump does not have absolute immunity from obeying, uh, from obeying congressional subpoenas. Uh, investigation and oversight is key to the healthy functioning of a democracy. And I'm not going to call America a healthy functioning democracy, but there are elements, certainly. And the, uh, the fact that the Democrats have a majority in the House and the fact that they are able to conduct these investigations is testament to the will of the American people and their resolve to not be governed by a dictator. 
So of course we have some sections of the American public that would love to be governed by a dictator because he is their dictator. They think, yes, he's a bully. Yes, he behaves inappropriately. Yes, he undermines the rule of law. But for them, he is theirs. He's the bully in their corner. And for evangelical Christians, white evangelical Christians, I should clarify, they have been so brainwashed to believe that God has appointed God himself, because of course God is male in their version of uh, religious belief, God himself has appointed Trump to carry out his work. And in that way, God is validating Trump's crimes because that is the type of flawed person he, he deemed appropriate to send into the world to conduct white evangelical Christian agenda. So uh, they are possibly past help at this point. Uh, but it is important for the persuadables. So this is distinct from the deplorables. We have the persuadables. The persuadables are uh, independent, Republican-leaning independents or even uh, Republicans who are still who still feel some pull from evidence, uh, who who may seek news a little bit outside of the Fox media bubble, or who are beginning to feel a little bit uneasy when they uh, see people like Tucker Carlson, who this very evening was exclaiming on his show that he sides with the Russians. So he was telling a guest, why should I care about what happens in a conflict between Ukraine and Russia? And uh, he said, why, why should I care? And, and frankly, I'm rooting for Russia, which was a very startling admission. I mean, I already believe that he is rooting for Russia and that he and Fox News are happy to be together in a coalition of convenience with Russia as a uh, relatively white, homogenous society that, that still has a, a white supermajority and a white totalitarian dictator. So that's the, the type of the model of governance that they want and they have and they want to cement it. So, of course, they gravitate towards sharing Russian interests. Russian helped their political party and their side, as it were, gain ascendance uh, in a, through a perversion of democracy, namely the electoral college system, which is an antiqu antiquated remnant of uh, the more slavery-oriented parts of the Constitution, in which you had a democratic system with a popular democratic vote to elect democratically elect a leader, but then you had the electoral college system, which was a cookie to uh, bring aboard powerful white slave owners who owned lots of rural territory uh, and wanted to have a disproportionate influence on the political system, or at least wanted to make sure that, yes, well, that they had dis a disproportionate advantage given to them, even though they might have less people than other more popular states with lower uh, agricultural territory, more, more voters. So these slave owners in rural states uh, had lots of land but less white voters contained in those states. So the Electoral College uh, was about guaranteeing those people uh, a waiting, a waiting that would remain attached to voters from their states, meaning Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan voters, their votes would count for more within the Electoral College system than the vote of someone uh, in a more urbanized state such as New York. And that is why we have Trump. Every time the rural-urban divide becomes more pronounced in terms of which opinions voters subscribe to, 
you have an overturning of the results of the popular vote. So that's how to understand what's happening with the electoral college system. But let me just return to my point system because there is so much happening. Uh, so uh, Trump had a deadline to file an appeal uh, to the a House of the House Mazars. Uh, there's a subpoena for his financial records contained by his accounting firm, the House Mazars. So. Uh, he now has an accelerated deadline to file his appeal to the 5th of December. So the Supreme Court is moving forwards with that quite quickly. Yes, they've put a temporary stay on uh, Trump, Trump's accounting firm having to give up his financial records to House Dem committees, but that is not a big stay. So the Supreme Court will uh, look further at the case on the 5th of December, one presumes. Uh, so the SCOTUS, the Supreme Court of the United States, hasn't yet decided to take the Mazars case. They may or they may not. Uh, I know we all have some concerns about the um, whether or not the Supreme Court is so thoroughly corrupted that they would rule entirely uh, absent from the dictates of law or conscience. But fingers crossed, you know, fingers crossed that they're is some redemptive qualities, even amongst the collection of uh, rapists and extreme Catholics that have been pushed into onto the Supreme Court bench. Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, Alito, Thomas, all are highly conservative Catholic Christians. Hi, hi, Richard. Would you like to call in? I am. I have my microphone. At the ready. It does a little bit seem like Trump has is able to exercise some undue influence on the Supreme Court because uh, there was great public protest about nominating uh, an incredibly accused rapist, but nevertheless Trump persisted with that, uh, and Kavanaugh's debts were mysteriously settled. Excellent, Richard. You invite your followers and we will have a chat. I'm so excited. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's always great to have uh, someone else on board as well. Uh, in, in relation to Tucker Carlson's comment that I was just discussing, that he'd said, why should we care about the conflict between... Uh, oops. Uh, um, why should we care about the conflict between uh, Ukraine and Russia? Ukraine is... That's what Tucker Carlson asserted, and uh, yes, we know that Ukraine is U.S.'s ally and Russia is an adversarial country. Hello, Richard. Thanks so much for joining. Hey. <laughs> your, your audio is excellent. I'm going to... Okay, so I'm going to restate my central thesis for today, that the best way to persuade Trump voters to reconsider their position or Trump-leaning supporters uh, is to discuss Trump's business failures, is to discuss the fabricated reality that says Trump is a successful businessman because people have been shown to be significantly influenced in their opinion of Trump, not by hearing sadly about uh, travesties towards migrants or human rights abuses or even lies, people who support Trump welcome the fact that he's a liar and a bully because they 
felt so oppressed by social progress that they thought they needed a liar and a bully who would be in their corner. But if you can explain to them that Trump's vaunted business successes were not business successes, that he inherited $413 million approximately, that he has failed in one business venture after another, but keeps getting fresh injections of cash from fresh suckers because he's able to trade off appearances. So he borrows money, uses it to buy a gold toilet, tells everybody, look how successful I am, I have a gold toilet. You should invest in me. I am the pinnacle of American business success. I am a manifestation of the American dream. And then he gets more investors on board who, who give him money. And he can extort and bribe more people to give him money as well. So one Deutsche Bank executive who gave Trump millions of dollars worth of loans, when Deutsche Bank was the only remaining American-based bank that would give Trump loans after his massive business failures and his massive reneging on business debt, um, that business um, that bank manager for Deutsche Bank who dealt with Trump just recently committed suicide. Allegedly, by hanging. So more details will come out. I presume there'll be an investigation, etc. Someone asks irrelevantly if I play chess and I mute people who ask irrelevant questions, unfortunately. I also mute communists because communism uh, did kill millions upon millions of people. Uh, so people who are so misguided that they'll come here and try and solicit support for communism or communist revolutions uh, don't deserve to be platformed by my scope and I will not permit it and I have that power here. <laughs> Someone asks me, I'm a non-voter, is that worse than communism? Well, normally non-voting isn't a killer whereas communism is a system of governance that typically leads to, to mass murder at an industrial scale whether through uh, forcible instigation of famine or diversion of resources away from agricultural sectors so that you inadvertently get famine. I mean, 30 million people died in China when Mao diverted agricultural workers away from agricultural work and into steel production. Millions also died in Ukraine when uh, the communist leader Stalin diverted agricultural products away from from Ukrainian people and created the, the famine known as Holomodor, which killed millions of Ukrainians. Also, millions of Indian people died uh, when Winston Churchill diverted agricultural products away from India, where they had been grown, to, um, to give to troops in, uh, in the war front, even troops who had enough food. Winston Churchill was just making sure they had extra and not caring about the... Uh, the Indian people who starve, who did starve, sorry, the millions of, of Indian people who starved as a direct consequence of Winston Churchill's uh, actions in taking away agricultural products from the people uh, that they were supposed to feed. I want to point out today that uh, according to researchers who work in the field, 70, almost 70% of American seniors are white and Christian. Only 29% of young adults are white and Christian. So in 2018, Americans who claim no religion 
passed Catholics and Evangelicals as the largest group on the general social survey. So that's really important. Uh, young people could potentially save the US if we spend more time talking about young people and less time uh, talking about how crap they are. Uh, young people are not crap. Young people have grown up in their own particular set of circumstances that not everyone can relate to. Not everyone can relate to the existential despair you might feel if you've been brought up and told to care about grades, but at the same time in your science class, you learned that there was an existential threat facing humanity and you subsequently realized that insufficient action was being taken to address this big intractable problem, not intractable, big seemingly intractable problem, and that the world wasn't world leaders weren't cooperating with each other in the way they needed to, at the scale they needed to, in a direction that they needed to, and that uh, the decline of civilization was, was on the horizon. Even as uh, technology seemed to boom and people seemed to have more power to access a world of knowledge in their pockets. So uh, one commentator is saying that millennials are the children of the Great Recession, we have a unique perspective on the economic system. Well, I certainly understand that um, millennials who have been to university, or college as you call it in the US, are people who have compound interest on their college debt. They, if they had simple interest, it would be a more straightforward matter to deal with, but when you have compound interest, any interest your principal, the principal of your debt accrues is then added together and then interest is charged on that new glob together total, uh, thus making it more and more difficult as time progresses to ever uh, rid yourself of this um, debt. So that is something that young people are struggling with and more and more people are being uh, pushed into a position where they, whereby they feel it's necessary to join the military in order to get debt relief. And Betsy DeVos has already been... Um, reprimanded by a judge uh, for failing to, to follow legal orders in terms of recompensing students who were ripped off by fraudulent colleges, fraudulent educational institutions. So she was supposed to, to end the student debt of people who were defrauded, and she did not. So that's one important thing to keep in mind, that young people in the US are often told that it's imperative to go to college to get a good job. Uh, going to college has become almost the equivalent of getting a high school degree in terms of being the bar you have to jump over to have any hope of obtaining a professional job that earns you a decent wage. But it does still get America into a debt trap, Americans into a debt trap. Now, interestingly enough, tertiary education benefits every country where people have access to tertiary education. But countries that treat that, uh, that step of, of further educating yourself as merely a private good so that it just benefits you as a person and you should pay for it um, is very different to education in other countries where they treat it as a public service. So if you get a tertiary education, you've benefited yourself, but you've benefited the society, your society at large. Uh, so because America is so interested in monetizing things, and breaking things down into individualism and individual responsibility. It overlooks intangibles, so the intangible benefits that a society derives from having um, a high proportion of people with a, a sophisticated education. 
with a sophisticated understanding of modern technology and uh, political competency, etc. It would be great if people had a competence at civics, a civics education level from, say, a primary or secondary education. But uh, I guess that's not always the case. And anxiety might uh, help people deliver on test results in the short term. It might give Americans the short-term gratification of having children who jump through hoops, uh, but it doesn't necessarily bode well for long-term learning when you make every test result so fraught with expectation and so fraught with if you fail this test, if you underperform, you will be on a life trajectory to penury and suffering uh, because there's no hope, well, there's less hope for a good life in the US because you don't have uh, strong community support for people with illness. You don't have a universal healthcare system that lets people live comfortably even if they don't have an amazing job. It's becoming more and more difficult to exist in, a, in the US as a blue-collar person. And instead of having a rational response to that, Trump has given blue-collar people in the US a reason to uh, take out their resentment on their life circumstances and their country's uh, ways of organizing itself on the elite. Blame the elite, resent meritocracy and vote for a disruptor who claims to have business success that everybody can aspire to. And yeah, it's not, it's not great, is it? It's not great for the US that too many people were tricked into supporting Trump on the basis of alleged business competence that is actually far from the truth, that the levels of his personal and business debt are unknown because he will not uh, release his tax returns and in fact uh, and in fact has fought uh, many judges ordering for the release of his tax returns. So he's taking that case to the Supreme Court now and we'll see if the Supreme Court, uh, when are they ruling? In March? early March. There's a stay that's been granted to, to Trump's lawyers until the 5th of December and then the Supreme Court will decide whether or not to take up the case. So Trump's lawyers have until the 5th of December to prepare their, their brief, their argument about why that should happen, why the Supreme Court should take up Trump's case and defend his ability to conceal the state of his finances from the US, from American people. Why does he need to do that? Because it would be political death for him to have Americans realize how deeply in debt he is, how little he owns, how much his business is dependent on leasing his gold toilet associated name. So I, I'm going to go now and uh, broadcast on YouTube for a little bit. I hope this has been an interesting conversation. Indeed, six bankruptcies and... Uh, I'm going to broadcast the audio of this conversation to uh, a podcast channel called Davcat 43 Fights Fascism. So I hope you uh, have a listen and enjoy. But first of all, I'm going to Davcat 43 YouTube uh, now. I uh, hope to see you there. And if you haven't already uh, subscribed, I encourage you to, to subscribe or to visit my website, davcat43.com which has a resource section and, and more. <laughs> Thanks, everybody.
My, my goal, I've actually quantified it today. My goal is to increase the breadth and reach and influence of this platform and of my messaging, which is to say that uh, women are suffering as a consequence of uh, Trump-style authoritarianism and GOP-style uh, fake moral crusading against women, that the death rate for women in childbirth and after childbirth uh, is highest in red states that are governed by GOP leaders that have legislation that restricts women's access to reproductive choice, to abortion. And the death rate for women is higher and the infant mortality rate is higher as well. Possibly because red states are tend to be more impoverished overall than blue states, which are more productive and more economically successful overall, uh, regardless of right-wing uh, misrepresentation of the facts on that topic. But countries such as El Salvador and Honduras also, and Paraguay also have laws against abortion, and women are more likely to die. Women are more likely to commit suicide for a start when they're forced to carry a pregnancy that they don't wish to. I mean, a baby that's an unborn baby that's a, uh, a zygote, uh, there should be less moral concern about taking a pill or having a medical procedure to end a pregnancy in its early stages. You can't claim that an unborn baby is sentient at that point. And even later on, when you can claim that an unborn baby is sentient in the third trimester, it is still... Uh, putting women's lives in jeopardy if you give the fetus legal, equal legal standing to an adult uh, human female because that baby, that unborn baby, is still residing in a woman and can still cause a woman's death. So doctors who, who refuse to treat a woman who is being killed by, um, say, a, a septic fetus, uh, if that fetus has legal rights that are respected equivalently to the woman's, a woman can subsequently... Uh, lose her life, can be refused cancer treatment, can be refused the medical care she needs and have her life put in jeopardy because of uh, the, grand, the moral grandstanding of people on the right who like to claim that they're protecting babies. Uh, you know, they could just have arguments about um, sentience of babies in the third trimester. They could say we should make abortions uh, not just as easy as pie, but, you know, maybe you need to get two doctor's signatures saying it's necessary, etc. Because all of the blue states that have the most legislation in place to protect women's right to choose are the states with the highest uh, rate of survival for infants and the lowest maternal death rates. America is unique in the developed world for having a maternal death trajectory that's increased, sorry, a maternal death rate that's increasing. And... Uh, yes, everybody else, modern technology, medical progress means that less women are dying in childbirth and labor and in the year following that. But in the U.S. it's increasing and we know that the death rate is increasing in U.S. red states, in Georgia, uh, Mississippi, Tennessee, etc., Yes, Cuba has a lower infant mortality rate than the US. Communist societies are often progressive uh, in relation to women's issues to a degree, whilst, but they still tend to be totalitarian. Fascist totalitarian societies tend to be uh, very the opposite. 
not progressive in terms of appreciation for women's concerns. No, I am certainly not a Marxist. I reject communism. And as I frequently say, communism is a form of totalitarianism which lends itself to institutionalized killing at a mass scale. Re-education camps, etc. So, yes. All right, I better go and make a YouTube video, otherwise it won't get done. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. I'm happy to have feedback about what you thought yesterday when I talked to a Trump supporter, an alleged Trump supporter. Uh, They seemed for real to me, not particularly quick on the uptake, but uh, very predictable Trump supporter thought patterns. You know, make an argument. They might say, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. But they'll come back to chanting Trump points. Uh, Democrats, Democrats, Democrats. Uh, So you enjoyed it. I'm glad. Uh, And yes, I have. This is my tripod that I will put my phone on. I'm regretting having some Apple products at the moment because Apple has just agreed to, um, to label Crimea as now part of Russia per Putin's request. Uh, So for people in Russia, they'll be able to see Crimea as being Russian territory, which will presumably help Putin politically because be like, yeah, our leader's so strong. He just puts his name on somebody else's food item in the fridge and now belongs to him. Uh, So I'm shunning Apple products at the moment. They're Trump fluffers as well. Uh, Tim Cook keeps letting Trump um, pretend to open factories in the US where they don't build Apple Mac computers, they just assemble them from component parts that have been exported from China. But Trump pretends to have opened things that actually opened in 2013. Uh, Yeah, and Tim Cook gets away with that. Okay, Afwiedershain, somebody is saying to me, I'm not super good at... uh, pronouncing German words, but that was my best shot. Auf Wiedersehen. Uh, See you again soon. And Davcat43 is where I'm going to go and broadcast now. Davcat43 YouTube channel. Bye, everyone. Welcome to Davcat43. And thanks for tuning in. Today, I'm talking about uh, Giuliani and Dmitry Firtash, a Ukrainian oligarch, who has been indicted for federal bribery charges and he's resisting extradition at the moment. Uh, But he owns some jets and Rudy Giuliani has flown on those private jets in the company of his currently indicted associates Lev Parnas and Igor Frum. Rudy Giuliani is on the news tonight a bit as he clarifies his remarks to CNN uh, because he previously lied and said he'd had nothing to do with Dmitry Firtash. And now he's trying to walk that back to a degree uh, as best he can whilst claiming to have never said the things he said in the first place. And Giuliani is asserting that he, yes, may have met Dmitry Firtash for a couple of hours, but he said he didn't count it because he didn't get any information that he deemed to be valuable, blah, blah, excuses, blah, blah, lies. Uh, So lies to compound lies. Now, the interesting thing is, how is America holding up? How is America's judicial system holding up? 
are we just watching things play out at a federal court level and going, yay, we have wins. We have federal judges like uh, Katanji Jackson arguing that Don McGahn has to testify. Uh, there's no such thing as um, ultimate executive privilege or supreme executive privilege, what's the term that the Trump administration uses and the Trump's Department of Justice uses? All of these places that Trump has corrupted that are now essentially grifting organisations that uh, exist as if Trump is the centre of the universe and they no longer have a conscience or a guideline in terms of laws or the Constitution. They just have to keep making up excuses to defend Trump and to conceal his illegal conduct. So one thing that not many people talk about uh, is the illegality of Trump putting a hold on uh, aid that was duly appointed by Congress to benefit the US ally and to affirm America's uh, significance as a superpower containing Russian military aggression, containing Vladimir Putin's expansion program of acquiring European countries that he is not entitled to to violating the sovereign integrity of Ukraine and presumably uh, more European countries if he gets away with that. So previously, the US wouldn't have allowed it to happen. The US wouldn't have sat quietly back and let Russia acquire more parts of Ukraine. Under the Obama administration, yes, uh, they didn't give lethal military assistance because it, there was a concern at that time that the uh, Russians or corrupt Ukrainians might hand over American military technology directly to Putin. Uh, but since then, the Department of Justice uh, has twice uh, signed off on handing military aid to Ukraine. Like, they've now made progress in fighting corruption. There was no longer a concern under the new government that they would pass on U.S. military technology to Russia. So aid was approved, $391 million, and Trump circumvented legal processes for putting a hold on that aid. So he broke the law uh, by not following House budget, House, uh, House budget protocol for uh, putting a presidential hold on something that had been signed into being or, or duly appointed by Congress. So there's two things Trump could have done to uh, follow the law. He could have notified Congress that he wasn't comfortable releasing the aid uh, and they could have written some legislature. So there's two things, a rescission uh, legislation and something else, which I'll go back to. The House Budget Committee tried to do a GIF thread about it, which was very entertaining, but didn't make the information stick in my head quite as well as it could have. In any case, I encourage people always to look these things up for themselves and to treat my podcasts or broadcasts as a jumping off point for uh, verifying this information. My job is to pique interest in all of these things which are putting Americans in peril and people of the world in peril so that uh, the worldview of people is, is shook up, is challenged. Too many people nowadays are af afraid of uh, causing controversy perhaps or upsetting their nearest and dearest. Although at the same time, lots of Americans are upset and have upset their nearest and dearest by obstreperously supporting Trump and uh, forming an emotional and psychological attachment to a view of Trump in which he is successful and which he is a successful businessman and all of their 
Psychological processes have hardened, have calcified around promoting this man as someone with credentials for helping America succeed. Trump can't help himself succeed. He can help himself stay out of prison. He's been quite good at that. He's good at committing crimes, lying about it, suing his accusers, extorting and bribing people who try to expose him and his misconduct. Uh, this is over the you know decades of his business practices or, or mispractices. And uh, yeah, he's great at talking his way out of trouble. He's not good at building a reputable business with um, a strong workforce, with um, successful patterns of return. Like, yes, money laundering will give you money over time, uh, but it's not a successful business practice. It's a successful criminal operation. That's all. So Trump, in terms of uh, having a legitimate business, he, no, he's no good. And your relatives may not be aware that Trump got a Kickstarter package from his father, which would count as uh, $413 million in modern day currency. Uh, and he ran through that money. Uh, imagine if you'd got $413 million, what kind of a business you might have been able to start. Trump started a lot of different businesses and bankrupt them, bankrupted them. He bankrupted two casinos. He built them too closely together. They competed with each other. Maybe he didn't have as many money laundering clients as he needs. He bankrupted casinos. His business model is extravagance. His business model is to give the superficial impression of success and to draw in more suckers through that way. Trump is a businessman who knows to spend all of his money on a gold-trimmed suit to better win over suckers to buy his shoddy products. Trump understands that there will always be a market of idiots buying your snake oil if you say loudly enough, look at my beautiful suit, how successful I am because I sell this wonderful product. So if you're tempted to believe that someone's successful because they have the trappings of wealth, if you're tempted to believe that someone's products are good because they appear to have the trappings of wealth, then yes, you are ripe for being a sucker for Trump. And you are ripe for believing that uh, tax cuts for the wealthy won't help kickstart an economic recession in the US. Typically, America goes into recession when Republicans um, land power or seize office in all branches of government. If they have a majority in the House and the Senate, as well as the Office of the Presidency, they, their goals and ambitions get taken off the leash and they give tax cuts to their wealthy donor friends. And that leaves the middle and lower classes paying more, disproportionately more of the tax burden. And the tax burden exists not because taxation is theft, but because economies flourish when a strong tax base pays for things that benefit and strengthen a society and strengthen the collective economy. So when you had high marginal tax rates in previous generations and the money from those billionaires helped to build America's highways and public hospitals and public schools and fire departments and police stations, that money strengthened America, made it law-abiding, uh, made it easy to travel around, made it easier for trade to occur uh, and people to to go to end labor bottlenecks and just to facilitate economic growth and development. So that pendulum has swung away and billionaires have been paying less and less, contributing less and less to this tax base. Uh, and America's ability to 
maintain its infrastructure has been lessening. America's infrastructure has been crumbling. People remark on potholes. And still, the libertarian liars will keep telling you that big government is inherently bad and private enterprise gets things done. Well, private enterprise has made a mockery of everybody's wish to have adequate access to healthcare in a non-anxiety producing way. Instead, Americans get intermittently delivered healthcare with a side order of anxiety. And doctors and nurses and health providers may tell you, don't worry, let's not talk about money now. Let's just get you treatment that you need and later on we'll work out an affordable care plan for your chemotherapy. And then a few months later, you're like, yep, here's your easy to pay back monthly plan of $7,000 a month for your, you know, in perpetuity for your $100,000 chemotherapy treatment that we told you not to worry about. So yes, there are inbuilt inefficiencies in America's healthcare system. That means people are paying too much money for something because privatization is not the be all and end all. And big government is not inherently bad. Big government helped America. Uh, so yes, it's in my interest to keep explaining this to Americans and to help pique people's interest in what's really going on in the US. Because if you're ignoring America's descent into totalitarianism, if you're ignoring Trump's tyrannical nature, the fact that he governs in the interests of his supporters to an extent, but wants to uh, punish or undermine people, American voters who didn't vote for him. So he wants to cut off FEMA funding for California because California is a relatively blue state. <sighs> Trump is not the president of, the Amer of America. Trump is the president of, of red states. Uh, that's who he governs for. And he is a product of uh, flaws in your electoral college system historic, racial, racist-initiated flaws. And he's also a product of racial divisions or bad worldviews in the US, um, diverted from reality worldviews in which people are content to blame black people and to vote for politicians who will initiate policies that hurt black people. And people will feel validated by that and ignore the fact that even if black people are getting hurt first, they too are ultimately getting hurt by uh, Republican policies. For example, refusing Medicaid expansions. It's estimated 13,000 people died this year alone uh, from an inability to access Medicaid as a consequence of Republican Party decisions, as a consequence of people voting for those who claim to have moral integrity, to want to support society and the fabric of society and to support families, but enact policies that harm families, harm women, etc. And this again is, to go even further back, is a product of people feeling like they don't want to lose power and they don't want to lose loyalty. So white churches that can see declining attendance rates, they want to claim their power. They want to be the alpha males in any given scenario to attract new followers. So they're... They don't mind that Trump cooperated and coordinated with Russia, with WikiLeaks, etc. They just don't want enough people to believe that Trump did that because they understand that if everybody realized Trump did that, then maybe Trump's support would shrink. But the hardcore Trump voters don't mind if he's a criminal, don't mind if he cooperated with Russia. Many strong Christian-minded people are amongst those who helped open the door for Russian attacks 
ongoing significant attacks of American national sovereignty, American integrity, American democratic processes. So which evangelicals am I talking about? Mike Pompeo, who's a graduate of West Point, who's supposed to have a strong moral code, but who helped Rudy Giuliani lie about one of his employees, uh, dedicated career servant, public servant, career professional, Marie uh, Yovanovitch, who was the ambassador to Ukraine, but who got ousted from that position because her integrity was a barrier to Rudy Giuliani's corrupt operations in Ukraine and his ability to help his friends and himself get signed up to a, a deal to put Trump supporters on the board of Ukrainian gas company, Naftagaz, so they could peel off some of the profits for Trump-supporting friends. Uh, the type of corruption that Giuliani accuses Hunter Biden of or Joe Biden of is part of the corruption that Rudy Giuliani was certainly pursuing, certainly and provably pursuing. Now, it's also been suggested that Trump could be trying to argue in his own defense that he legitimately was afraid of cons corruption in, in Ukraine. So we have to keep reminding people that, yes, the Department of Defense had signed off on aid to Ukraine twice, that Trump does undermine the military um, by intervening in the case of a, a war criminal, Eddie Gallagher, whose own colleagues in the Navy SEALs tampered with the sights on his rifle to reduce his shooting accuracy because they had observed him aim for and shoot at civilians on more than one occasion. So they claimed he shot a 70 to 80-year-old man. They saw a red patch appear on the man's shirt as Eddie Gallagher sniped him with his rifle, that the old man fell and didn't get up again, that Eddie Gallagher aimed his weapon at some young girls, one of whom was wearing a flower hijab and who fell to the ground clutching her stomach after she was shot and her friends helped her up over a small um, wall and helped her leave so at least that girl could get up and run away, not to say that she necessarily survived. We don't know if she could access medical care. We just know that Eddie Gallagher shot at a, a probable 13, 12, 13-year-old girl in Iraq and that Trump intervened in all of his, all of the military justice proceedings uh, so that the only thing he was found guilty of was um, having posed with a, a dead body. But people don't necessarily know that the dead body he posed with was somebody who had been injured in a bombing. So was an ISIS combatant but was, was injured, needed medical treatment, and Eddie Gallagher told his fellow Navy SEALs, nobody touch him, this one's for me. He then took out his own hunting knife and personally stabbed up that 22-year-old um, young man several times in the neck and threatened his colleagues in case they ever thought about telling on him. Uh, so made threats to their lives. They, all, they testified against Eddie Gallagher and they were concerned of retaliation. Eddie wanted to publish their names in a Facebook group for Navy SEALs. Uh, so Trump, by intervening and saying, no, I won't allow this man to be stripped of his trident, of his position in the Navy SEALs, uh, even though he's been found guilty of, of posing with the dead body of an enemy combatant, which is against their rules. Uh, he then got the, de the Defense Secretary, Mike Esper, to fire a Navy secretary who had objected to the president's actions in intervening to save the position, the title, the salary 
of this war criminal whose own co-fighters, whose own colleagues testified against him that they had, they had specifically um, messed with his scope, with his target scope on his rifle to reduce his shooting accuracy because they knew he would kill more civilians or they'd seen him do it and were predicting that he would snipe down and kill more Iraqi civilians who weren't engaged in conflict, that he would just hunt people. That's the kind of person who Trump is saying he wants to campaign with him. That's the type of obliviousness that people have when they're in a cult and they are clinging to their false beliefs. And this this process some psychologists refer to as the psychology of accommodation. You don't want to admit doing having done something wrong, so you keep uh, accepting more and more lies, more and more untruths, uh, in order to construct a protective, emotionally protective uh, wall of rationalizations for yourself. You can hide your fragile ego f- behind so you don't have to admit having done the wrong thing and voted in a tyrant who is jeopardizing America's national security and global the global world order. He's jeopardizing stability in, in Asia because he uh, currently the cost of having US troops stationed in South Korea as a deterrent to North Korean military intervention was borne 50% by the US and 50% by South Korea. Trump wanted to just suddenly change that to bill them for $500 million. Uh, and they were like, why? Why is, he, why is he sabotaging this relationship? Why is he cutting us off in this way? Uh, and they're forced to sign an agreement instead with China. Well, Trump is a bit of a puppet of Putin, as many of us know. Uh, and of course, it's Putin's agenda to destabilize the world and benefit from that reorganizing of, of the world order uh, to undermine America's status as a world order that, keeps, that helps to keep the peace. So it's, it's Putin's aim to expose us all to danger, and Trump is definitely facilitating all of Putin's goals being achieved. Oh. Hello. Sorry, I just, um, the screen seemed to freeze for a minute. I don't know how long it froze for. I was talking about uh, Trump uh, reducing stability in the Asian region region by uh, giving South Korea a bill, an incredibly disproportionate bill uh, for US troops being stationed in South Korea. So Trump is basically a manifestation of all the disgruntled, poorly thought out and conceived opinions of uh, the right in the US. People who think, yep, world stability is no big deal. The people who always argue, regardless of what you propose for America, always say, well, we have veterans 
with problems and homeless people in the street. And it's like, yes, that the underservice, uh, the undercatering to veterans, perhaps that should be part of the billions and billions of dollars apportioned to um, military, the military budget. Perhaps the military budget should include the veterans' budget uh, for taking care of veterans so that there's less wastage in the Pentagon. Um, you know, all of these crazy contractual agreements in which America might pay $50 for a small metal screw because those um, relationships have become really exploitative and under-audited. So we've learned from Trump that things that are not monitored uh, are things that can be exploited and often are exploited by corrupt people and grifters, etc. Yes. So I hope this has been interesting. I'm going to go and uh, thanks for your time and attention. I hope if anything I said has piqued your interest that you go and further research it. Uh, conservatives are causing the downfall of society so it's not really responsible anymore to proudly say you're a conservative. The right thing to do, the responsible thing to do is to go and research some of those opinions, not to just get caught up emotionally in a culture war that they tell you to be afraid of, that they tell you you know, Thanksgiving is going to be renamed something or Christmas is under attack. You need to pay attention to the real threats. You need to step up and be a responsible adult and look at the imminent risk to human civilization from rapidly escalating climate change. Uh, that scientists are pointing out we've reached various tipping points where um, natural feedback loops are activated. So the world has warmed by one degree Celsius already. So certain thawed territories unthawing which is releasing uh, methane, a very potent uh, greenhouse gas, more potent than carbon dioxide, into the atmosphere. Uh, and we are still not taking significant collective action, such as saying, yep, plane flights deliver greenhouse gases specifically to a level in the atmosphere that um, creates more of this warming effect that has these gases that have the property of letting through heat from the sun and not releasing all of it. So not all of it bounces back. Uh, too much of it is now being retained in our atmosphere, which is thawing the ground in various areas, melting ice, which uh, is exposing dark areas of ocean that then also trap more heat uh, instead of reflecting that heat back out. Uh, boing! back out into the stratosphere away from Earth. We are keeping more of that heat here and it's going to change all manner of things about um, the world's weather and the world's climate. So we're all suffering. People in Bangladesh are certainly suffering from exacerbated floods. It's just exacerbating all manner of uh, natural weather events that are no longer natural because they have this added factor now of huge amounts of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere emitted as a consequence of human industrial activity. So not all countries are equally responsible for this industrial activity. The ones that are, the US, Australia, uh, etc., which have high, high per capita emissions levels, um, we are not being responsible adults. We are acting like criminals who are hunkering down with their crimes and don't want to admit that they're wrong. But that's not the only story because people who are responsible, who are aware and who make the effort to stay informed about these issues uh, are starting to get quite noisy 
and children are starting to get quite noisy and children can't readily be accused of hypocrisy. You can't say, oh, well, children, you've you know, spent years flying in planes. Children don't make those choices about what to do. Adults make them for children. And if children are now saying it's not worth it for us, it's not worth it for us to keep going on holidays overseas or living in a society where such things are encouraged and readily available, if we don't have a tenable future, if we don't have a civilization to look forward to where all the things we're preparing ourselves for, professions, you know, getting a job in finance, are not viable if coastal cities are underwater, uh, are not viable if responsible adults didn't act when there was still a window of opportunity to take significant, sustained, concentrated action. Thanks for listening. I hope you look this up for yourselves. Bye.